Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcast. To get connected, visit our website, www.edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi, and we will connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel. Enjoy listening to the sermon today. A very good morning to you all. It's exciting being in God's house. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I'm going to start off by just uh, endorsing holiday clubs. Holiday clubs are just incredible places for us to be involved with. I'm going to give you just three reasons why I'm excited about holiday clubs. As someone that works for Scripture Union, you know, I've seen the power uh, of, of holiday clubs. The first reason that I'm really excited about holiday clubs is that it allows our young people, our young people in this church, to be really at the forefront of reaching other children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? They, they become the missionaries, you know, that God will be sending that particular week to reach the children around this neighborhood. And then secondly, it's a place I believe that we can be able to, to groom our own leaders, you know, to grow our own leaders. There is a number of people that are now saving in business, in politics, in the church, uh, in organizations that have come through holiday clubs because holiday clubs have actually honed their skills as, as leaders. And then the last reason I'm excited about, I hope you're just as excited as me, you know, is that it gives us an opportunity for us as a church to be able to reach out to parents that are not necessarily going to walk through those doors because they're going to hear the message preached by their little ones in their own homes. And Pastor Daniel was telling me that we've been streaming some of those things. So we thank God that God is able to use holiday clubs for us to reach this wider community that we serve in. May you and I play our part to make sure that you can reach this generation with the word of God. Amen. So I hope that you'll be able to register and sign up as quickly as you can because we need as many people as we can to participate. Now I'm going to go to my message. <laughs> Pastor Daniel has not paid me to say that. <laughs> I'm just excited about it. I, I know the power of all the clubs. Right, but let's turn to, our, to, our, to the message this morning. I thank God that we can be able to come together like this to be able to start the week in his word. My prayer is that as we go and engage in his word, that God himself will speak to us. May it not just be about my own words that you hear. You know, forget about this man at the frontier. May you be able to hear God speak to you. That's what counts. Not, not individuals. Just God himself, you know, speaking to us. The topic of my sermon this morning is ascension. You know, what is the big deal? <laughs> what is the big deal? You know, some of us, the older generation, uh, you know, there was a holiday called Ascension Day <laughs> at school. You know, it was a nice freebie holiday that we got. I had no idea. I had no clue why was even, you know, why we even celebrating that. I said, like, what happened? What was it supposed to do? Was it supposed some special sacrifice to be done? I had no idea. But to me, it was like just a freebie. You know, but one thing that is very true is that even here in the church, 
When I'm talking here in the church, I'm talking church worldwide, not just here at the age mid church. We don't really spend a lot of time just thinking and processing what the ascension is all about. So it's one of those most underrated and uncelebrated Christian events that I know. But it's pivotal to the Christian faith. But somehow, you know, we celebrate Jesus' birth. We go all, all out to celebrate his birth. We go all out to celebrate his death. And at times we even talk about his coming. And I'll be also talking about this coming this, you know, this morning. But somehow we just miss the ascension. You know, it's just somehow something that we forget. And this event takes place when Jesus has been raised from the dead. After 40 days, Jesus appears, you know, first to Mary at the graveyard, and then to his disciples, and to many more other people. But I think the reality, if we look into the, into the way that we look at ascension, we don't even think about it. We don't, we don't do anything about it. So I'm hoping that this morning, as we engage with God's word, God himself might be able to speak to us. So we'll be reading from uh, the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 11. So it's quite a long scripture, but I want to say, you know what? We should never apologize about long scriptures. And it's God's word. You know, where it's read, God moves. Amen? Amen. Where it's read, God moves. So we're going to read from verse 1, Acts chapter 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and even here in Ajmid, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And they strained to see him rising into heaven. Two white-robed men suddenly, just suddenly stood in front of among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday... You return from heaven in the same way we have seen him go. May the Lord bless 
the reading of His Word this morning. Amen. So this is taking place 40 days after Jesus had been raised from the dead. And the number 40 represents quite, is, is quite a significant number. Uh, we read in the Bible, you know, number seven, I think most of us know about seven. Seven talks about perfection. You know? The seven children, but perfect. You must have the perfect children. Right? But the number 40 is mentioned at least 146 times in the Word of God. 146 times. That's a lot of mentioning gets. It's, it represents a period of testing. Right? It represents a time of trial or probation. But physically also represents a generation. Right? A generation for 40 years, we see a generation. We see quite a lot of mention about the, um, the number 40 in the Bible. I'm going to just mention a few. The first one, Noah, Noah's flood. You know, we know that a few weeks ago we had a terrible floods in, in, in KZN. Really terrible, and, and I understand that it's also raining again. So you need to continue to pray, you know, for those that are in KZN. But during Noah's flood, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, nonstop. Just relentless. You know, you, you get wet and you really, really, really get wet. <laughs> and the waters just keep on rising and rising. And we all know the end of that story. The Israelites spent 40 years wandering in the desert. Wandering in the desert because of their disobedience. You know? All they had to do was be able to just listen to God and shorten their trip. But they didn't do that. Because they had disobedience and unbelief. They spent 40 years just wandering, going around in circles in the wilderness. Then we also find it being mentioned, you know, about the, the biggest bully in the Bible. Goliath. I call him the big bully in the Bible. Do you know that Goliath, every morning he would wake up and you taunt the children of Israel and would threaten them every single morning and evening. For 40 days he did that. Terrible time for the children of Israel. But obviously Goliath thought he was a big bully. He did not know that God had a plan to cut him to size through a young man called David. We also find figure 40 also mentioned, number 40 mentioned in the, the temptation of Jesus Christ. He was, he was taken to the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil or by Satan, as the Bible says. Right? So it's, it's, it's important for us to be able to understand all this in this context, that even the ascension takes place during this 40-day period when Jesus had been raised from the dead. But why the ascension? This morning, I'm going to attempt to give you five reasons why I believe that the ascension is critical for the Christian faith. The first reason is that it is proof that Jesus rose from the dead. Do I need to say that again? It's proof that Jesus rose from the dead. You see, it was a fulfillment of the resurrection promise that was made in the Old Testament, where the prophets of old 
prophesied that a Messiah was going to be sent. He was going to be killed. But on the third day, he was going to rise up again. But you also find Jesus himself when he's speaking to his disciples in Mark 8, verse 31. Jesus says to his disciples, then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. You'll be killed. But three days later, three days later, you rise from the dead. This is what Jesus himself was saying to his disciples, reminding the disciples that after three days, he was going to rise up again. You know, the Christian faith stands or falls on an empty, on empty grave. You see, if, if Jesus' body is still in the grave, you and I are doomed. Yeah, you and I are doomed. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13 to 14, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching, all our preaching, all our preaching is useless. And your faith is also useless. Powerful words by the Apostle Paul. Because he understood how critical it was that the Savior that you and I follow had to rise from the dead. He could not be just like another ordinary prophet. He was extraordinary. And rising from the dead was one of those things that, was, that set him apart. You know, speaking to Martha after the death of Lazarus, his br her brother, you know, Martha was obviously complaining, Jesus, you should have been here. My brother would not have died. But Jesus turns to Martha and says, told her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even if after dying. Everyone who lives in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Some of us this morning, we need to be able to answer that question. Do you believe that? That, yes, we might die physically, but because Christ rose, you and I are also going to rise up with new bodies and better attitudes <laughs> that only glorify God. Incredible. I thank God for that. Secondly, it is proof that Jesus carried our sins and conquered the power of sin and death. He had to do that. You see, it was a completion of his mission of salvation. When, God, when Jesus left heaven, his whole mission was to come and die on the cross of Calvary for us. So that you and me can be reconciled to God and to each other. You know, Paul says in Romans 5 verse 8, While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? It was a, a sure way to provide forgiveness for us. But see, that forgiveness came at a price. It came through the shedding of the blood. Because in, you know, in Hebrews, it says, In fact, according to the law of Moses, 
Nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So the, Christ had to shed his blood. Christ had to die so that you and I can be able to have the free gift of forgiveness that we have and salvation. But also a reminder that Jesus was also the Lamb of God who was sent here, his whole mission, to come and die for us. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him, this is what he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because John the Baptist recognized the mission that God had placed on Jesus to just come and die on the cross for us so that we can be reconciled to him. You know, I love it when, you know, Jesus himself says, you know what? You are my children, but I'm here for you. He's here for us today. And the last thing on this point is, we are no longer slaves to sin anymore. You know, I know a time in my own life where I was a slave to sin. I was a slave to sin. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that power of sin and death was destroyed once and for all. Romans 6 verse 6. We know that our all sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that we might, it might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Some of us need to say that to ourselves. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin because God has done a new work in my own life. The third reason why ascension is critical is, just, is that Jesus physically stopped his earthly ministry. He put an end for his earthly ministry by handing over the baton to the disciples and to the church today. Jesus, by doing this, was initiating the greatest commission that we have. In Matthew 28, I always love reading the whole, the whole scripture. It says, Jesus came and told the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, that's the part that we all remember. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all these commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the kind of Jesus that we serve. You know, he, he's not somewhere out there. He's right here with us. He is empowered to do, for us to do the mission that he has called us to do. But does not leave us by our souls. Right? Because he even says in the, kids want to say, let me say this before I say this. <laughs> do, do you know that God has no plan B? You know, in business, those that are in business will say God is not a good planner. Because in business, you know, you, you need to have a plan B. Plan B and plan C and plan D and plan E. You know? 
God has only one plan. Only one plan. And that plan that he has is you and me. It's you and me. So if you and me fail, <laughs> we're failing him. But you see, he has put all his faith and trust in us. Because he has given us everything that we need so that we can be able to be witnesses for him in every context that we find ourselves. Not just for the people that are standing in the pulpits. Not just for people that are missionaries out there. But for you that is working at Checkers. For you that is working at Old Mutual. God is saying, I put you there to be my missionary. To be able to share the good news with those that, work with, that you work with. You might say to me, Tony, how am I going to do that? How am I going to tell people about Jesus? One thing I can say, share with you this morning is that I want to say, once I was lost. Once I was lost, but today I'm found. Once I was blind, but today I see. That at times is what people need to hear. People need to see that, the, that Christ is reflected in our lives. Jesus goes on to say, you know what? You know, I've been here for just for three years working with you guys. But you know what? I'm going to the Father. But this is what he says in John 14 verse 12, one of my favorite scriptures. I tell you the truth. Anyone, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done. And even greater works. Because I'm going with the Father. Incredible. Trust that Jesus had given to us as his disciples. So we are the mission. We are the people that are going to change this world. We have everything at our disposal to be able to do that. That's why I get so excited about holiday clubs. Because it gives us that opportunity to be able to change the shape of our communities. By lifting the name of Jesus high. And I pray that we see more and more people coming to know Christ during the holiday club. And the fourth reason why ascension is critical is the promise of the Holy Spirit that he gives to his disciples. It's a promise that he does. But there's a quotation that I just want to, to share with you. You know, by Karen. I don't, leave, I don't even know whether this lady is a Christian or not. I did not uh, check up on her. Um, but this is what he says. The best things in life are often waiting for you at the exit ramp of your comfort zone. Exit ramp of your comfort zone. So the disciples were, were, were very comfortable having Jesus around him, with, you know, with, with them. But then Jesus had to go. <laughs> you know, they had to make a decision somehow going forward. So Jesus then promised them and Pastor Daniel is going to speak about that next week. We're talking about Pentecost, where the, the Holy Spirit is given to the early church. And that transformed the way that the church spread around the world. But see, it was a promise that he made. And I always remember about a promise that we once had as SU staff members. We went on a staff retreat, and uh, we're all assigned tasks to be able to cook. Uh, and this particular guy says, well, you know what, he, he's, we must not buy any eggs 
because he's going to bring his two ostrich eggs to be able to help us. You know? So I've never eaten an ostrich egg in my entire life. You know, I, I didn't even know that you could eat ostrich egg at that stage. Um, anyway, so we're all excited about ostrich, the ostrich, the ostrich <laughs> you know, egg in the morning. And uh, while we're still in our rooms, you know, we, you know, you just, that smell just, just permeating everything. You know, you say, oh, that's, it, it smells, but it's not a good smell. <laughs> it's not a good smell. So what this guy had done, he had, you know, obviously broken the first egg. He had two of them. Broken the first egg. It's like, oh, it's gone bad. So he thought, okay. I'm sure the second one will be fine. So he broke the second one again. So our expectation of eating ostrich egg just disappeared just like that. It never happened. I'm still waiting. Maybe someone, someone can invite me to come and eat an ostrich egg. But you see, the promises that Jesus gives to us are promises that he fulfills. You see, the promise of the Holy Spirit was conditional you know, Jesus says, you know, I'm going to give this Holy Spirit to you. But it's conditional. You know, he says in, in the book of John, 16 verse 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, won't come. Won't come. Guaranteed, it won't come. If I do go away. Then I'll send him to you. Just conditional. Jesus had to go back so that you and I can have the benefit of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Because if he does not go back, if he did not go back, I'm not sure where we'll be finding ourselves today. You see, there's a need for us to be able to say, when the promise is made, let's wait on that promise. Let's wait patiently. But it can also be taxing when you wait. You know, it's not easy waiting for something. I can imagine the disciples when they say, they've had this promise being given to them. But we know, on the day of Pentecost, that promise was fulfilled. It's a promise that was made through the prophet Joel. When God spoke through him and says, in, my, in those days I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Wonderful scripture. Joel 2 verse 28. This is a reminder. The Holy Spirit is a reminder that the work that God has given us is work that can only be done through him. We cannot do that in our own strength. It's impossible. We'll fail dismally. We need the Holy Spirit himself to be working through us. And when we allow him to do that, we are able to be effective witnesses for, for him. And the last reason that I also get very excited about is an assurance that Jesus is coming back. People, he's coming back. He said at times that it's, we live as if Jesus is not coming back. We position our lives, you know, like in the days of Noah, as the Bible says, eating and patting and forgetting everything else and forgetting the promise that he made himself that I'm going to come back. He's coming back. You know, while the disciples were wondering what's happening with this Jesus has been taken up, 
you know, these angels stood in front of him. In Exodus 1 verse 11, it says, Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into the heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday, someday, you return from heaven in the same way, in the same way you, you saw him go. He's coming back. I'm excited about that. He is coming back. You know, he was enveloped by, there was a cloud that obviously overshadowed him and then he was taken up. And I found myself asking, what is, what is this cloud? I think for me, the cloud represents God's presence and God's power. And we see throughout scripture, wherever the cloud appeared, something significant happened. If we think about Moses when he went up the Mount Sinai to get the commandments, there was a cloud there. There was also a cloud when Jesus Christ was being baptized. Some of us remember the dove, the Spirit coming, the Holy Spirit coming down as the shape of a dove. But there's a cloud that also came in that particular time. And the voice spoke from that cloud, from that cloud and that was God himself. So he entered our world as an innocent baby. But one day he's coming back as the king of kings and lord of all lords. Every knee will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. He's coming back. Let's live as if we believe that. Let our lives reflect that. He might come back today. Am I ready for him? Let's be ready for him. You know, speaking about when it's going to happen, a lot of people have spent a lot of time and energy trying to figure out when he's going to come. People have sold houses. People have done ridiculous things out there. <laughs> Preparing, saying, no, he's coming. Let's go meet him up in the mountain. <laughs> Jesus himself says, no one knows that day. Yeah. Only the Father knows. Yeah. But you know what? You and me, we better be prepared when he comes. We better position ourselves to know that we are ready for our Savior to come and take us home. Where there won't be any pain or suffering or any sickness. There's an exciting world that waits for you and me out there. But you see, you and I, we need to be ready. And in ending, I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know whether you know who this Jesus is. I don't know whether you have a relationship with him. This morning, Jesus is inviting you into his kingdom. He wants you to be your, to be your son and daughter. That's what he came to do, to bring us back to himself. We're going to take some time to pray. And I ask people to just close your eyes. I don't know where you find yourself with God this morning. I don't know what role God is playing in your life today. But he's inviting you to be his child this morning. If you've never accepted him as his Lord and Savior, as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that this morning. You can do that by saying a simple prayer. Pray after me, silently. Father, I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you for your love for me. 
I want to thank you that, Lord, you accept me just as I am. Thank you for dying for me on the cross of Calvary. I repent of my sin this morning and I accept you as Lord and Savior. I pray this in your name. Amen. It's exciting. I remember saying that prayer some years ago. That just transformed the way that I live today. But some of us as believers, there might be some realignment that needs to take place in the way that we live our lives. Because God himself is waiting. He's waiting to be able to use you powerfully. He has given us everything at our disposal to be able to reach others for him. At times we might not have the words to say, but the Holy Spirit that he has given and Pastor Daniel will speak about that next week. The Holy Spirit that he has given will give you the right words to say at the right moment. Because remember, it's not our work. It's not our intellect. It's not our lovely flowery words. It's the Holy Spirit at work through us. May we as believers allow him to use us for his honor and for his glory. I thank you. May God bless you.